Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. From Commando.com, this is Commando On Demand, where we talk to the industry movers and shakers to keep you up to date on everything digital. We'll get started in a moment, but first, we'd like to recognize and thank our partners who help make these Commando On Demand podcasts possible. Wearable technology. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the Apple Watch. And I'll tell you, the stories just keep pouring in about the Apple Watch saving someone's life. Adam Love can't live without his smartwatch. After all, it saved his life. The story centers around Adam Love, a 24-year-old from Australia. Okay, he didn't know there was any issue with his heart until his Apple Watch started notifying him. You see, the watch picked up some abnormalities with his heart rate. My Apple Watch started notifying me that I had an elevated heart rate when I was sleeping. Adam's Apple Watch told him that his sleeping heart rate was averaging between 130 and 140 beats per minute. Now, for reference, a healthy resting heart rate is around 70 beats per minute. So that kind of freaked Adam out. He went to see a doctor, and it was confirmed he did have a heart abnormality. Specifically, Adam had a hole in his heart one that has been there since his birth and was really dangerous. But they found more. His upper lung was also pumping into the wrong atrium of his heart. So that the blood needlessly circulates between around the lung and doesn't get out to his body. As Adam's surgeon explained, the blood was needlessly circulating around his lung and it didn't reach the rest of his body. Okay, thankfully, Adam had the issue corrected and was back home not long after the operation. And you can bet a dollar... Adam's never going to go without an Apple Watch ever again. Adam's story is truly amazing. Think of the technology, and he's not alone. People from all over the globe are telling the same story about their heart and the Apple Watch. And what does Apple have to say about this? Well, as you might gather, CEO Tim Cook, he's pretty jazzed about it. My best moments of a day is to go through my emails that are from users. And I, I get so many each week from people that found out they have a heart problem from their watch. It's alerting you if you've been sitting and your heart has uh, climbed to a level that doesn't make sense relative to the activity that you've been doing. So many people have written and said, the watch alerted me to a problem. I took an action and went to the cardiologist. He told me that if I had not gone there, I wouldn't be alive. Now, I'm sure you have questions like, is this too good to be true? Can we really trust a gadget like a watch to tell us when we're having a medical emergency? Also, how does this work? With the new Apple Watch 4, you can actually get an EKG. But is the EKG on the Apple Watch 4 the same? Is it as good as going to the hospital? Will it detect heart attacks or just heart problems? But most importantly, is the EKG on the Apple Watch 4 reliable? Can you trust it? I'm America's digital pro, Kim Commando. And by the end of this podcast, you're going to get the inside scoop. We did a ton of research for this podcast. We also found an expert cardiologist 
who gets to the heart of the matter. <laughs> no pun intended. But first, I'd like to thank our partners at Quip who help make these commando on-demand podcasts possible. I'm talking about a brand new type of toothbrush you have to know about. All right, I know you've had parents and teachers and dentists telling you how to brush your teeth your whole life. And it seems like everybody has a different technique. One thing that they all can agree on is that you have to brush your teeth for a full two minutes. I've been telling my son Ian that for years, Ah, but not anymore. I have a Quip and so does Ian. Quip is electric. It's small. It's light. It's sleek. There's a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you, are you ready for it? Yes, switch sides. You don't have to guess anymore. With Quip, new brush heads are automatically delivered just like the dentists recommend, every three months for just $5. So you can just forget about it. Try Quip and see why it's backed by more than 20,000 dental professionals and me and my son Ian. We both love our Quip. Quip starts at just $25. That's it. Visit getquip.com slash tech right now and you're going to get a deal. You get your first refill pack for free with any Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free. Yes, absolutely free. Head over to getquip.com slash tech. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash tech. Apple Watch is the most personal device we've ever created. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And it's also a comprehensive health and fitness device. Apple Watch took very deep thinking, and out of this came some truly remarkable innovations. You might recognize that voice. It's Tim Cook. That was actually back in 2014 when Apple first introduced their watch to the world. Now, the Apple Watch has always been intended to be a health and fitness device. Much like the Fitbit, the Apple Watch will track your steps and your heart rate. You may be wearing a fitness device right now, but the Apple Watch has always seemed to be in a league of its own because it does much more than just a Fitbit does. But before we get into the Apple Watch 4 and EKGs, let's talk about how it works in a nutshell. The Apple Watch 4 detects atrial fibrillation. That's called AFib for short. And that's basically an irregular heart rhythm. It can be related to a number of issues. Maybe you're sick, you have an infection, an inflammation. Maybe you have high blood pressure, anxiety, or blood clots. Now, one thing you need to know about the Apple Watch 4 is let's talk a little bit about the FDA. The Apple Watch 4 has what's called FDA clearance. Now, that's totally different than FDA approval. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It's just that, say, you can't go to your local Walgreens and get a prescription for the Apple Watch 4. The Apple Watch 4 will let you know if your heart rhythm is basically out of whack. It reads the electrical impulses from your forefinger, and that's how it works. You press the digital crown on the Apple Watch 4 for 30 seconds to get an EKG. The back of the watch has crystals that contain electrodes. When you maintain contact with both arms, you create this closed electrical circuit across the chest. Now from there, you capture the reading. The end result is your heart's sinus rhythm. The Apple Watch gives you what's known as a single lead electrocardiogram. And yeah, it could be a lifesaver, but it's nowhere near what a hospital EKG does. Here's the difference. A hospital ECG or EKG makes contact with 12 points around your heart. 
single lead only makes one contact. With the extra 11 leads, hospitals are able to listen and also observe the activities of both the upper and lower chambers of the heart from multiple angles. The single lead doesn't do so much. It just detects basic abnormalities. Remember when I mentioned that FDA clearance versus FDA approved? Well, the Apple Watch 4 has a 98% accuracy rating. That's how it got that FDA clearance. To help us understand how the Apple Watch 4 works and what it could mean to our health, I found the best person, Sergey Shatillo. Sergey is a physician's assistant specialist. He works in the Department of Cardiovascular Diseases at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's just start at the top. I mean, cardiology. What are the most common heart ailments? Let's talk a little bit about the problems that a lot of people suffer from. Well, there's many of those. Most people have healthy hearts, but if they do not, uh, most common things they can have is coronary artery disease, and that's something that can lead to a heart attack, uh, heart failure, arrhythmias or abnormal heart rhythms, disease of the valves of the heart, and something we call cardiomyopathy, which is a disease of the heart muscle itself. So with all these heart ailments, these problems, what are some symptoms that people should be on the lookout for of heart issues, heart problems? Some of these symptoms are heart-specific, something like chest pain, especially the left side is chest pain, jaw pain, pain in the left arm, or some of them can be nonspecific, fainting, lightheadedness, fatigue, shortness of breath. That's something we should be looking out for. You know, my husband had a heart attack about three months ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. And he was, thank you, he was swimming in the pool. Mm -hmm. And he said suddenly he just didn't, he just got suddenly tired, just really, really tired. And he got himself out of the pool, took a shower, and said he was starting to have like pains on his left side. Mm -hmm. Got dressed, shaved, brushed his teeth, did all that, sat down on the couch, started sweating profusely. Hmm. Then thought to himself, I wonder what's going on. He decided that he would try to uh, stress his heart by going up and down the stairs twice. Oy. Sat back down on the couch because he said he felt like he could just go to sleep. Called his son. I was in Houston with my mother at MD Anderson because she was getting the Whipple surgery. Mm -hmm. And calls his son and says, you know what? You need to take me to the Mayo. I don't feel very well. Walks into the emergency department. And the doctors there are saying, uh, you have a 100% blockage. We need to put a stent in immediately. So he did everything incorrectly, right? That is, yes. Unfortunately, yes, he did everything incorrectly. Yeah, and then again, you know, we have to be aware of these nonspecific symptoms. We are always taught that chest pain is something that's of a great concern and something like fatigue and uh, may not be. Certainly he was exercising, so he had attributed it to, you know, working out or swimming and something like that. So I think in this instance, it's important to know what risk factors are for developing heart disease. And knowing those even vague symptoms like such can uh, prompt someone to seek medical attention. Because you don't want to mess around with this. You want to, you want that to is correct. You want to call 911, correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So time is muscle, as we say. The longer you wait, the longer one waits to reperfuse or give uh, blood supply to that part of the heart muscle that's not getting any, 
the quicker we do that, the more chances that that heart will uh, survive and will not turn into a scar in your heart. Which, fortunately, the Mayo put the stent in and he's doing fabulously. Terrific. He's lost 30 pounds over the last three months, which is crazy. His total cholesterol went down from like 200 to now it's 80, believe it or not. It's crazy. Wow. Um, but it's all diet, really diet, exercise. Uh, and he's not fun anymore. He doesn't even have a drink. Right, right. Now, let me ask you, does he have a history of diabetes? No, none. Does not. Okay, because mm-hmm. we commonly see these non classic, so to speak, symptoms of heart disease in patients who have diabetes. They typically do not have chest pain, so we have to watch out for the nonspecific symptoms in those. Why is that? Diabetes affects nerve endings. You probably hear that people with long-standing diabetes cannot feel their toes and such. So because of that, we feel that any sort of symptom related to pain can be dulled in those individuals. Just one more question before we get to the Apple Watch. How much of heart disease cholesterol is inherited versus, like we talked about, diet and exercise? I guess the simple answer to that would be it's both. It's inherited and environmental, as we say. Because of the broad spectrum of heart diseases, some of them are more inherited, some of them more genetic. All in all, I think that it's both. So the Apple Watch 4, finally, you can get an ECG. Is that the same as an EKG? Yeah, we we use those terms interchangeably, EKG or ECG. Yes, it is the same. So it doesn't matter whether it's, it's, because some people are saying, oh, well, it's not an EKG, but it's basically the same thing. Well, it's something called single lead uh, EKG that Apple Watch uh, produces. Typically, uh, in the hospital, if you were to go see a physician and he were to do uh, or she were to do an EKG, it would be a 12 lead. This one in Apple Watch produces a single lead EKG, which is still quite good for rate and rhythm. We can determine rate and rhythm of the heart based on the single lead EKG. 12 lead is a, is a more, you can see a, sort of a three-dimensional picture, electrical picture of the heart and know exactly from where inside the heart a certain beat is coming from. So it becomes a lot more technical. But if we're just talking about rate and rhythm, single lead EKG can suffice. So it's not a bad thing then? Not at all. It's terrific. How often should you do an ECG? Well, I think a EKG or ECG should be part of a yearly physical exam. So when we go to see our doctor or should go to see our doctor once a year for a checkup, EKG could be done. It's important to have a baseline EKG. So if something happens down the road and EKG is obtained, we can compare to a baseline EKG. And it's much easier then to see if there's been a development. So without that baseline, that would be difficult to say. Is that baseline much like going through, say, a a stress test on the heart? No, not really. There are variations in an EKG that a person can have that if they're shown on the baseline EKG, we know it's normal for that particular person. So then down the road, we, we know that it's been there already. So for instance, if somebody comes in with a chest pain and they do an EKG, there are some changes that are noticed that could or could not be normal. We can look back at EKG from a year ago. And if we see that those changes were already there, we can say that there's nothing's going on right now with the patient. So it's helpful. Well, the Apple Watch 4, after it does this ECG and you put your finger on the digital crown for 30 seconds, it'll tell you 
three different things. I mean, certainly it's not a medical trained professional, right? Basically tell you if you have AFib, if your sinus rhythm is normal or inconclusive. So I guess inconclusive means it just couldn't read it for some odd reason, right? Right. So tell us about the first two. I mean, you know, obviously AFib, you know, we've all heard about it. We see the commercials on television and we hope that it's normal. But can you elaborate a little bit on that? Certainly. So normal heart rhythm is a sinus rhythm. So it's physiologic. The beat originates in the upper chambers of the heart. The electrical activity originates in the sinus node and then travels through the heart. So then the upper chambers mechanically contract first and then fill the lower chambers and then lower chambers contract and send the blood to the rest of the body. What happens in atrial fibrillation, the upper chambers do not contract. So they do not squeeze, and thus blood can pool in those chambers. And most people, when they are in atrial fibrillation, unfortunately, do not know that. You certainly can have symptoms, but some people do not have symptoms. So it is important to know if someone's in atrial fibrillation, because as that blood pools in those upper chambers of the heart, it can coagulate or clot. And clot by sitting there and forming in the heart, unfortunately, can break off sometimes and travel and can cause a stroke. And that's the danger of atrial fibrillation. Wow. Now, you want to stay right where you are, because coming up, we're going to talk more about AFib, what to watch out for, the warning signs. But first, let's take a moment to thank our partners who help make these Commando On Demand podcasts possible. Okay, welcome back. Our guest today is Sergey Chatillo. He specializes in cardiology at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona. We talked a little bit about AFib, but does AFib, do you have any symptoms at all? Certain patients have symptoms with atrial fibrillation and uh, some patients do not. I have some patients of mine that can tell me exactly when they went into AFib and how long it lasted. And some patients can come into emergency department after being in AFib for hours and days and not know that something's going on with their heart. They just have some, you know, vague symptoms of profound fatigue and sometimes nausea and lightheadedness and things like that. What does your heart rate have to do with AFib? AFib can cause the heart rate to go up. And we call that atrial fibrillation with rapid ventricular response. Oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah, so what happens is upper chambers of the heart are fibrillating. They're sort of erratic. The electrical impulses are just, you know, bouncing off the upper chambers. And sometimes that irregularity and those impulses can travel down to the lower chambers of the heart, the ventricles. And then they can beat quite rapidly and irregularly. And that EKG can pick that up. So if you're looking at your heart rate, because the Apple Watch will also obviously track your heart rate. Correct. So when you look at it, maybe it's, you know, it's all sitting at 70 and 80, and then suddenly it would jump to, say, 140? Correct. Even, uh, you know, more importantly, when you're not exercising, when you're at rest, because you would expect the heart rate to go up with exercise for anyone. But if you notice that on the Apple Watch, for instance, you notice that the heart rate now is, like you said, in 100s, 140s, somewhere there, and you just you know, woke up from sleeping or I was just watching TV, that is something to be concerned about because that shouldn't happen. So all in all, the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch 4, because now we can do an ECG, but the Apple Watch, even a Fitbit that tracks your heart rate, good idea to wear one, right? 
Yes, yes, especially for people, of course, who are predisposed to heart disease or have a history of heart disease. And I think the most important takeaway from this EKG innovation on Apple Watch is besides the heart rate, which certainly can be an indication of something, it tracks heart rhythm or can detect heart rhythm, can record heart rhythm, which in atrial fibrillation is irregular. So not only that you're going at a fast heart rate, it's irregular. And that's sort of what is a diagnostic term for atrial fibrillation. We call it irregularly irregular heart rhythm. And of course, again, atrial fibrillation can be quite dangerous because of the heightened risk of stroke. What about if you're a hypochondriac? (laughs) I mean, this has to be a nightmare because I have to tell you, my husband is one. I mean, you know, I had to ban him from being like his own Internet doctor, you know, and getting a medical degree because he literally would go on to Google for many years and say, you know, I have a headache and a pain in my side. And he was assured that he had either a brain tumor or the dengue fever. Okay. (laughs) So... After he had his heart attack, I said, you know, hey, listen, maybe you ought to get an Apple Watch. And he looked at me and said, now, are you really trying to kill me with that? I mean, how do you counsel people who have a propensity for, say, you know, going over the top with their health? And what happens when somebody comes in to see you guys and gals with this? Again, I think in this instance, Apple Watch is a good thing because then when you do have these vague symptoms and you worry about it, it's fairly easy to say, no, it's not atrial fibrillation. So then maybe after five of these checks and everyone has been not atrial fibrillation, a hypochondriac or a person, you know, super vigilant person may say, you know, now I know it's not and I won't worry about it. So I think it's a good thing. And, you know, we do have patients that come in and we're happy to see them. Um, And, you know, part of providing medical care is also providing education and counseling. So I think we can do that with patients who are, you know, hypervigilant or worry about their health. And using devices like Apple Watch can be helpful, I believe. So at the Mayo Clinic, you specialize in heart transplants, correct? Correct. You know, being an organ donor is one of the most important things that I think anybody can do, right? Right. Absolutely. I agree. I actually have a cornea transplant and it enabled me not to see 2020, but I had as a kid, I got you know struck in the eye with a stick on the playground. You know, one of those things that your mother always tells you, you know, be careful of anything near your eyeballs and don't run with scissors and such. Yes. And then that developed into glaucoma because the pediatrician said it was pink eye. And then I had to get the transplant. And so, but instead of it being totally black, as it would have been on my right eye, is that now I can at least see like 200 to two, two, it's like 20 to 50, which trust me, I'm okay with that versus just having, you know, darkness on that side of my face. With a heart transplant, how long is that surgery? It depends on whether a patient had open heart surgery in the past, and most of my patients have had surgery, like a bypass surgery in the past. So technically, to get to that heart, to remove it, the old heart, I mean, uh, can be quite challenging because of all the adhesions of the scar tissue. But all in all, somewhere between probably four and six hours uh, ballpark would be the surgery. Wow. Is there a long waiting list for hearts? Certainly there is. About, I think currently, the statistics of heart transplant, it's about 2,000 per year, and then uh, about 20 people die each day waiting for a heart transplant. Wow. 
So the list can be quite long. It all depends on where in the country you live and how populous that area is. That would determine how long the list is. Yeah, some people have to wait for quite a long time. So we're very happy with the development of something we call left ventricular assist devices. Are these heart pumps that we can implant in patients and prolong their life while they're waiting for a heart transplant, keep them that waiting period with the pump until that organ becomes available for them. So it simulates the, the heart? Is that what it does? Yeah. So what it does is it, it takes over for the left ventricle, which is the ventricle that provides blood supply to all of your body. It replaces the left ventricle completely. It's an implantable device. It's a continuous flow device, and it provides blood supply to the organs, perfuses your brain and kidneys and everything else. And some people can have a fairly reasonable life quality with those devices. Can you monitor that device remotely? I mean, like a pacemaker, my doctor can see what's happening with a pacemaker because it you know, reports through the Internet. Does this device do that? Yeah. Well, every patient goes home with a monitor that they can monitor and record things, and they know what's normal and abnormal for them. And then they or the caregiver can call in and tell us what the device is reading. We don't really need to monitor those devices like the pacemakers because they have an easily readable console that's outside of the patient that they can just report to us what they see on there. So, Sergey, you mentioned that with AFib, a big complication is maybe suffering from a stroke. Can you talk more about that? So atrial fibrillation, it's an, a regular heart rhythm, but most importantly, it's the rhythm where mechanically the upper chambers of the heart do not contract, do not beat, do not squeeze the blood out of them. So the blood can pool in there and a clot can form. And that clot can sit there silently and patient may not know about it. And then, unfortunately, it can break off and travel anywhere. But the most devastating thing it can do, it can cause a stroke, meaning it travels to the brain, includes one of the arteries that provides blood supply to a part of the brain. And it can be quite debilitating and it certainly can kill someone. So knowing that a patient has atrial fibrillation is important because it can be treated and the ways we treat atrial fibrillation is we can control this abnormal rhythm or prevent it from happening or diminish it from happening by giving certain medicines. We also can do procedures, and those are quite successful nowadays. They can do a catheterization procedure where they go into the heart with catheters, and they can make little burn lines inside the heart that will treat this atrial fibrillation or prevent it from coming back. And that could be quite successful. But the most, most, most important thing about knowing that someone has atrial fibrillation is to start them on a blood thinning medication. So that will then prevent, although those upper chambers, again, do not squeeze fully, but that medication, a blood thinning medication, will prevent a clot from forming. Thus will minimize the chance of a clot traveling somewhere else. So thus minimize the chance of a stroke. So patients with atrial fibrillation should be on a blood thinning medication. And sort of uh, recent good news, not that recent, but a few years ago, uh, they've developed these new blood thinning medications, whereas before we had only warfarin. And warfarin is something that people take every day. It thins the blood, but the levels of it have to be monitored. So it's quite inconvenient for a patient to have to go to a lab or to a doctor's office every so often to have their blood tested for the level of this medicine. But now, 
new medications came out, which a patient just takes once or twice a day, and levels do not have to be monitored, and we know they're just as effective as warfarin. So that's certainly been a great development. Sergey, thanks for joining us, and thanks for speaking in terms that all of us understand. (laughs) (laughs) Kim, it's been my pleasure to be on the show. Now, even though we've been covering the Apple Watch and its life-saving features, you might be asking, haven't these devices been around for a long time? Well, the answer is yes. If you're concerned about your heart health, then you should get CardioMobile by AliveCore, the only FDA-cleared medical-grade personal EKG device that analyzes your heart rhythm in just 30 seconds and lets you send results directly to your doctor. That's a clip from a television commercial from AliveCore. They have a device called CardioMobile. Like the Apple Watch, the Cardia Mobile gives a medical-grade ECG in about 30 seconds. A live course says that the Cardia Mobile is the most clinically validated mobile ECG device on the market today. It's actually been around for a pretty long time. Atrial fibrillation is an abnormal heart rhythm that can lead to stroke. By using the Cardia Mobile device, we can detect atrial fibrillation. So how does the Cardia Mobile work? All right, the main device is a small touchpad. It's a little smaller than a credit card that you can carry around in your pocket. You place the first two fingers from each hand on the stainless steel touchpads, and bam, in 30 seconds, Cardia Mobile captures a medical-grade EKG anytime, anywhere. It does more than that. It's also going to track your weight and your blood pressure, too. This little device is only 99 bucks, and it's already recorded over 30 million ECGs. With technology like Cardia Mobile or the Apple Watch, you're able to identify a heart attack quicker and call 911 sooner, potentially saving lives. And that's the important part here. If you think something's happening with your heart, don't mess around. Just call 911. There's also the Heart Check Pen handheld ECG device. All right, this doesn't link to your mobile. The company does give you web access to a qualified physician that will read the ECG. The other interesting thing about it is that you can hold it against your chest and actually get a more accurate heart rate reading. The Heart Check Pen stores all of your ECG and heart rate data that you can upload to your computer and send to your doctor. That's right. You can't sync your phone and just send it off instantly. That's why I think I'm going to stick with my Apple Watch. Now, check this out. It's actually kind of fun. What if your doctor handed you a business card with a built-in ECG? Just flip the card over, place your thumbs on the pads, and this little tiny LED screen activates and takes an ECG. It's not a new thing, but it's pretty cool. A company called Mobile ECG invented the card as a novelty item for cardiologists. But it actually has sensors that measures a real ECG signal between the user's hands. Now, to cover themselves legally, Mobile ECG claims that it's a toy and not suitable for diagnostic purposes. But I'll tell you, it's actually really cool to see it in action. The Apple Watch can do so many things. You have all kinds of apps. You can do email, take phone calls, text, you name it, get on your social media. And it is actually a watch. Yes, believe it or not, it can tell you the time. But it also helps us stay healthy, tracking workouts and motivating us to get off the couch every now and then to exercise. But it also tracks your heart rate, which has so many positive implications, as we've heard with Adam's story. And now with the ability to take a true ECG of the heart, the Apple Watch can really have a positive impact on our lives and our health. But just remember, as Apple says, the Apple Watch cannot replace your doctor or even you. You know your own body. If your body tells you one thing and the device tells you another, speak with your healthcare provider. Keep talking until they listen. If they still won't listen, Well, it's time to get a second opinion. When it comes to our health, you need to be your own advocate. 
Special thank you and shout out goes to our expert guest, Sergey Chatillo and Local 4 Detroit News. I'm America's Digital Pro, Kim Commando. Now, I hope you got as much as podcasts as we did here in the studios, put it all together. That's one of the perks of working here, that we get paid to learn, and then we share that knowledge with you. Okay, your part is to pay it forward. It's free, so why not share this podcast, like it? And listen, if you have a topic that you'd love for us to explore and investigate, just let us know. And heck, if you have a question about something digital, I can help you with. Call 602-212-0058. Leave me your question and your contact information. That number again, 602-212-0058. I'll talk to you then. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.